0: Good morning, everyone. What a great opportunity to come share with you uh, regarding the City Rescue Mission. And that was a good summary. Um, And I do have a clicker here. We'll see how that works. So thanks for having me. Um, I look forward to sharing a little bit about the mission and also open up God's Word together. And the message actually comes from a time where I was in India uh, end of September of last year. And... um, there was an urgent need for someone to come to share and train some pastors. So the word of God is growing in India, so that's a huge praise. India is now one of the largest countries in the world. Actually, it's now officially the largest country in the world. So at the last minute, like a month before teaching, they asked if I would come teach. So I had to teach about 100 pastors, lay ministers. They represent about 120,000 people in uh, central southern India. And so the message is dear to my heart because it, it developed during that time I was in India, so I'm going to share that with you. But I got to thinking that the kingdom of heaven is like this. Like it's, it's all of you who know the gospel, who Christ is your, is your master and Lord, and we bring other people into the kingdom of God together, amen? So it doesn't matter if we're in India, doesn't matter if we're in North America, doesn't matter if we're downtown Lansing, uh, God changes hearts and brings people to himself, Amen. And so I'm looking forward to sharing that message with you from Matthew chapter 22. But first, let's talk a little bit about the mission and why we exist. We we provide three things, three things. So You don't remember anything else today. Remember the three things that we provide. We provide food, shelter, and what's the last one? Hope. Food, shelter, help. Hope. So we realized that probably, I've been at the mission for 20 years now. It's hard to believe that. Um, 20 years now, I, I told the Lord that I would just temporarily help him out. In the situation. So just so you guys know, temporary is at least two decades, okay? <laughs> so I started volunteering at the City Rescue Mission about 25 years ago, started serving a meal, and I was in technology at that time. I was chief information officer for a large organization. And I would I, I saw the Big Jesus Saves Cross. As John mentioned, the Big Jesus Saves Cross on Michigan Avenue. So I asked my pastor, what's up with that cross? I was actually going to a lug nut game. He said, that's a city rescue mission. Why don't you go talk to Dan Hicks, executive director, and see what you can do to help? So next Monday, guess what I did? I came for a tour, so I invite any of you, if you're interested, to come for a tour. He gave me a tour of the facility, and he said, here's what I could do. I could help serve a meal. So at lunchtime, I started serving a meal every Thursday afternoon, and then I started bringing my office. I thought it was a good office activity. So I started bringing my office to city rescue mission on Thursdays to serve a meal. And then I started serving the meal in the evening when there was a need, and I started sneaking into the chapel. Now, the chapel probably, is probably like maybe one of these rows, and probably goes twice as far back. And I would sit in the far right, and I would listen to the pastors preach the word of God. Now, I'm attending a church at this time. Um, I thought I was pretty close to God, but I realized my heart was pretty far from God. Any of you relate to that? Am I the only one that can relate to that? So I was doing the church thing, but I also loved the world and the things of the world. Now, in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, it says, don't love the world, right? It says, don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in him for everything in the world. The cravings of sinful man, lust of his eyes, boasting what he has or does come not from the Father, but from the world. Then it says, the world and its desires will pass away, but the man who does the will of God will live forever. So I heard the word in the chapel, and it changed my heart. So long story short, this is, the long, this is the shortest explanation. I left technology and went into ministry. That's so why I thought, you know what, Lord? So I started working at, as a board of directors, as a volunteer on the board of directors, and Dan couldn't seem to keep a night director. So I thought, as Mike knows, Mike Hayes has worked many times at night, like I thought I would just help God out. Like that was a good plan, right? Like God needs some help, I'll help him out, right? Just temporarily. And so next thing you know, that was just, it got a hold of my heart because I realized the hope, is seeing God change lives. The hope is like, hey, I'm hungry, or I need a place to stay, but my biggest need is I don't know God. I don't know that I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't know that I'm justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So guess what we do every single night? We share the gospel, and it changes lives. That's the hope. It got a hold of my heart, I left technology, I went to ministry, there's nothing more I want to do than be able to share the word of God and see lives transform. So that's the hope. The hope is the gospel. Not just, hey, I hope you're well fed and you have a good day. It's the truth of the gospel. That's part of the kingdom work. So food, shelter, and hope. There's a lot of things we could do. These are things that we do do the best of our ability, I think the best in mid-Michigan. Food, shelter, and hope. Anyone hungry yet? It's probably too early for food, right? Um... 133,000 meals last year. I thought it was going to be 125,000. There's a great need. Uh, 2023 was the busiest year of our 113-year history. 133,000 meals. Now, where do you think all these morsels come from? What do you think? From the Lord, from, from God's people, amen. So we pray and God provides. That's the second thing. If you remember anything else, we pray, and what happens? God provides. God provides through his people. So God puts on, on people's hearts to write a check, to bring food, to volunteer, in order that lives will be transformed by the power of the gospel. So all of our food is donated, uh, or maybe if someone write a check designated for food, uh, but every single morsel is provided by God in order that we can share the gospel. So 130, 133,000 meals last year. As John mentioned, downtown is our Michigan Avenue facility. Uh, Our capacity is about 100. And so our average last year was 93, 93 men last night. Now, just in comparison, our average in 2023 was 244 a night. So 244 women, children, and men every single night last year. It went as high as 270, went as low as 230, but our average was 244 every single night of the year. So 93 Men on Michigan Avenue, Uh, we had purchased those two buildings to your left, the black building and then the little darker red building, with a plan to expand the men's ministry. I'm going to get back to that in just a minute. Uh, We realized pretty quickly that was going to be about a $5.5 million project, and we started looking for other options in the community, and so I think we found another good option. So 93 Men, now this is on South Cedar Street. What you may not know is that we have a shelter for women and kids. It's not just 100 men a night, but we shelter about 100 women and children. Last year, every single night of the year, last year, 100 women and children. So single adult women and moms with kids uh, on South Cedar Street, just south of Mount Hope. Um, Across from the Fleetwood, who needs milestones? Fleetwood Diner, anyone been in Fleetwood Diner? Okay, couple, okay, good. So uh, South Cedar Street, um, we bought this probably 15 years ago. Took us about four or five years to renovate. And it was one of those just-in times. So again, in comparison, when I started ministry 20 years ago, a busy night at the City Rescue Mission, men, women, and children, was about 40. That was a busy night at the City Rescue Mission about 20 years ago. Uh, about 40 men, women, and children. So we, we shelter about 100 women and kids at this facility. Now, this is relatively new. Uh, five years ago, five years ago on the 21st of January, we opened up this facility. Now, what is this facility? It's not a shelter. It's actually a drop-in center. The drop-in center is probably about half the size of this room, and it provides for people that are severely mentally ill, have addictions to drugs and alcohol, maybe a combination of both. So maybe they don't function very well in shelter. Maybe they can't follow or don't want to follow rules, um, but they need a safe place to be. And so we get to provide a drop-in center for them to come sit in a chair in order to eventually hear the gospel. Does that make sense? So they have a safe place to be, because a lot of these people, on average, guess what, 52. 52 men and women come to our drop-in center every single night. They have no place to go. They're not willing to go to shelter, not able to go to shelter. Maybe they've been kicked out of all the shelters in the community, but then come here for a safe place. We've got two staff people that oversee it to make sure that they're safe. We try to encourage them to go to the men's mission for a meal and for a message. We try to encourage people to take that next step to end their homelessness. It might be maybe getting an open case at Community Mental Health. It might be trying to deal with their addiction. Uh, But we have the opportunity to share the gospel with them here at this drop-in center. So relatively new when you're 113 years old. Five years is relatively new. Uh, So we're praying about this drop-in center. I would say the first couple months we opened this facility, our average was about six people. (laughs) We had about six people a night. Do you see where the need is growing in our community in mid-Michigan? So average of 52 severely mentally ill or with addictions coming to this drop-in center. So collectively, 244 men, women, and children. Oh, I forgot we had a fixed photo. So it looks pretty simple, doesn't it? place to get out of the, the elements, a place to get out of danger, because when you're by yourself in the streets, it can be very dangerous, especially if you're a woman. So we got a place for you to come, sit in your square, uh, have someone care about you. You can take a shower, do your laundry. We try to get you into shelter. That's our next stop, getting you into shelter as well. So relatively new... Facility. Here's our vision. Here's our vision for the City Rescue Mission. Our vision is to bring the lost to Lord Jesus Christ and to establish believers in what? What are we establishing them in? Faith. Christian faith. That, that is our vision. That's our purpose for 113 years since 1911. Our vision is that. Now, the, the mission is the how part. So, that's our vision. That's what we want to do. Now, how do we do it? The mission is to meet physical needs for food and shelter, to bring those to the spiritual needs, the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. So the hope is not just, I hope tomorrow is a better day. The hope is to be able to be reconciled to God for all of eternity, to be, able, to be able to be a child of God. That is the hope of the gospel. And so that's how we do it. We meet physical needs, such as food and shelter, to bring those to the hope that is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So I mentioned those two buildings on Michigan Avenue. So I've got good news, it's actually only the second church I've had a chance to tell the good news. You're gonna find it in your newsletter as well. Uh, We are buying these, there's two buildings. See where the bridge is, it's going to another building, almost identical to the building that we're walking towards. We're buying these two buildings on West Kalamazoo Street, just west of the courthouse. Hopefully you don't know where the courthouse is. (laughs) So there's, on Capitol, there's a library where a lot of homeless go during the day. There's a park where a lot of homeless go during the day. Uh, there is a courthouse, which hopefully don 't have a lot of people going to the courthouse, and then these two buildings it 's going to cost us two point two two five million, so two point two two five million to purchase these two buildings. So it 's to cost us about seven million to renovate and build an addition. so we 're actually going to build an addition to connect these two buildings together. Now this location will be a shelter for all adults. so whether you 're male or whether you 're female, you can come to one facility. Our women's and children's shelter will just be for families. So we'll be able to expand that capacity as well. So I'll we'll have 100 just for moms and kids, not including adults. So this location, when we're finished. We're estimating about 300 adults will be able to stay at this facility. So will you be willing to pray with me regarding this facility? Because this is going to be a long-term project. And the reason why is we tried to sell our Michigan Avenue project. We thought that would actually help fund this facility. But no one wants to buy it for what I think it's worth. So what do you think we're going to do? We're going to use it, we're going to keep it, and we're just going to pray about it. It's not a fire sale, God will provide. And I, and I told our listing agent, like, hey, when you're in business for 113 years, I don't mind waiting, right? God will provide. The thing that God has proven over the years, especially the 20 years I've been in ministry, is God provides. Now, how do we shelter 244 people? It's a lot of showers, isn't it? A lot of meals, a lot of towels, a lot of linens, a lot of people. God provides. The answer is God provides. We don't receive any government funding. So no local, no state, no federal funding. Why? Because we wanna share the gospel. So God provides to his people so we can do what? We can share the gospel. It's a great partnership, isn't it? That's how God provides. I think that's why God does provide so we're faithful to the gospel. As a matter of fact, um, I I watch news less and less. I don't expect any of you to really watch news much, but um, two months ago, we're trying to get zoning approved for this facility. We're trying to get zoning approved for this facility. Let me show you the location. So to your, your left, uh, you've got the library, then the, all the, those trees there, beautiful park there, and then the courthouse, and then the f- location that we're buying. So this is the location. Those two buildings will be merged together with that little orange area, which says new build. So that's the collectively about 9.5 million to finish this facility. We had to go to city council to get zoning approved. Now if you've probably read your newsletters, you recognize that we've, we've looked at probably three or four different buildings in the community, and the city council said no, like absolutely not, not a good location. This is the one location I said, hey, that's a great location. Now whenever the government says I'm here to help, you kind of like wonder like, are you really here to help, right? Um, but I think we found a reasonable partnership, reasonable location. I think it's where the need is. I think our guests can easily navigate to this location. Now let me tell you that, our population is getting like, well, I'll admit, like our community. Our, our communities seem to be always getting that younger, is it? So navigation is challenging for those um, the people that stay with us, 250 or so people. Last night we had uh, two over 250 people stay with us. So I had to go to city council to get zoning approved. So if you've ever been in any kind of building project, you think it's not that big of a deal, just get zoning approved, right? Was it that big of a deal? I'm afraid it was. I'm afraid, like, I had opposition coming out of the woods. Like, And the, you know what the opposition was? It was LGBTQ+. It was that community that was opposing us. And they're telling everybody else that we're, we discriminate. Let me tell you, I don't care what someone's orientation is. I want them to know Jesus. Right? Like, I want them to know Jesus. Like, that's no different than the way I lived my life in opposition to the enemy of God. Right? They need to know Jesus. So the lie was that we discriminate. Let me tell you, I don't care who you are when you come to the mission. You're going to get the help that you need, and you're going to hear about Jesus. Amen? So the lie was that we discriminate. Well, it turns out that the, what they really meant was we only hire Christians. That was the big issue. It all came down to we have a doctrinal statement. Guess what? Your church has a doctrinal statement. You identify what you believe, yes? You're not going to hire someone unless you, they agree with that. Would you agree with this? Standard tenant, right? Amen. You get elders that agree with your tenants. Well, guess what? The City Rescue Mission has the same thing. And people came out of the woodwork to oppose us and talk about how hateful we were. So finally I went to the city council, I said, well, how many, how many gay, lesbian, transgender do you think we helped last night? And they said, well, I have no idea. I'm like, well, I have no idea either. Uh-huh. I don't know, like how can I discriminate if I don't know? Right, like probably 17, if it's the same percentage of the community, we're probably talking 17 people that fall in that category, that we didn't treat any different. Anybody else? We want them. Why? Because we want them to know Jesus, right? And so, after about two months of opposition, guess what happened? They passed the zoning and special use permit. Praise God for that, right? Um, So yeah, it was it was interesting opposition, but guess what we did? We stayed strong in our faith. Like we only hire people that agree with our doctrinal statement. And one of the city council members looked at our doctrinal statement and said, "I see you didn't change it. I see that you only believe in one man and one woman." He goes, so I'm not really sure how I'm going to vote. He goes, no, I know how I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote no. And I said, sir, I'm sure you're not discriminating against our First Amendment rights, are you? So we didn't have to go to the Supreme Court. Guys, that's a praise. I wasn't ready for that. But it was passed. So now guess what? The fun begins. We've got we to raise about $7 million. Well, guess what? I, I believe God will provide. So if we don't sell the Michigan Avenue, so it's going to take a little bit longer. And that's okay because God's going to provide. So be in prayer with me. I believe this is meeting the need in our community. Our board of directors is in uh, unity when it comes to our approach and meeting needs. And just like it was 15 years ago, we sheltered you know, maybe 20, 30 women and kids. This tripled our capacity with our facility on South Cedar Street. I expect this to do the same thing. And I expect it to be just in time. So it takes 10 years, it'll be just in time. If it takes five years, it'll be just in time. And God is the one who's gonna be glorified in it. So that is the great summary of what we're doing. I know you'll be with me when it comes to prayer Um, regarding the city rescue mission. If you're willing, I guess I should end it here. So this is what the new facility is going to look like. That's the new build that connects the two buildings together. And uh, we're just going to go prayerfully. And as quick as God provides, we'll go that speed. Does that sound like a a good plan? If you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. You can cover that. Matthew chapter 22. Twenty years ago, I did not need these glasses. Twenty-two years, I had a lot less gray. Some of you can relate to me, right? That is good. Matthew chapter twenty-two. Um, I had the opportunity to, to to preach this in India, and I had the opportunity to preach it once here in uh, the states. But it reminds me of the kingdom that we proclaim at the City Commission of Lansing. Now, one of the oppositions for getting government funding is that you're not allowed to proselytize. It's a weird word, isn't it? Proselytize, you probably didn't use that lately, the word proselytize. Have you proselytized anybody lately? Doesn't sound like a good good word, does it? (laughs) Have you told someone about Jesus? That's what it is, right? So if we receive government funding, we're not allowed by law To proselytize, or if we do, we have to allow others to preach what they believe too. Now, think of that offense. Think think of that offense where for 113 years, God's provided so we can share the truth of the gospel, right? But we're going to allow someone to preach a non gospel. But God's prepared this through his people, so that's why we don't take government funding. That's why we pray and God provides. In Matthew chapter 22, and verse 1, it says, and again Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would what? They said, All right, I'll be right there. What did they do? They didn't come. They they didn't come. Now on my way to, to India, um, I had prepared to teach 18 sessions in four days. So 18 sessions in four days to pastors and deacons. Um, So I was prepared to fly in, do that, be done, go home, pray God's glorified in the midst of that, right? And so um, on Saturday night, one of the pastors, hey, would you mind coming and preaching our church tomorrow? But I was like, I was ready to sleep in. Like, I, I, was, I was done, right? I think God used me. I was thankful for that. He girded me. And so I found myself saying, sure. Like, sure. Like, God will provide the ability to be able to preach the gospel one more time, right? And so Saturday night, I go back to my room and I'm, I'm praying about a message. Like, I've got nothing. I, I got no message. It was getting late. I'm tired. And so I get on my one drive. I go find some old sermons. Like, I'm just gonna like, Pull up an old sermon. Will that work? Maybe, right? I didn't know. I, I was undone. So I call my wife, and I'm like, hey, hon, like, could you pray about this? Because I'm trying to put a message together, and like nothing's coming together. It, is, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel right. And So I'm going to get up early. Uh, I think it was like 9 o'clock service, and I'm going to study, get it done, and then I'm going to go preach. And I couldn't sleep let, that night. Like I, I, you ever just like roll in your sleep, and you keep waking up, keep thinking about stuff? You ever do that? And you ever think, like, oh, I should write that down? What do you do if you don't write it down? I'm not the only one I usually forget, right? Like, I remember I thought of something really good, but I can't remember what it was, right? So as I'm sleeping, trying to sleep, God kept reflecting, giving me back the memories of my trip for those four days. Like, what did you experience during this trip? Like, what did you experience? Like, I had this one guy from Newark to Delhi, and uh, he was an Indian fella sitting next to me, right? And it looked like he had this little black book on his lap. And I looked at him, and we're sitting down. We're just starting the trip. I go, Excuse me, sir, um, is that a Bible? He's like, Yeah. I said, Are you a brother in Christ? You know what he said? He looked at me. He goes, Yes, I'm Brother Paul. <laughs> I looked at him like, I'm Brother Mark. And we hugged each other, and we talked about the gospel. We talked about the word of God for hours. Mostly Romans, by the way. I'm kind of a Romans. We were in Romans. We're all over the, all over the Old Testament. Like, and he loved the word of God. He was so thankful for God's word and God's mercy in his life. And that thrilled my heart. And I realized, like, I should cherish it that much, too. So as I'm trying to sleep, I remember, Brother Paul. And we, we must have evangelized the whole middle part of the plane for sure. I'm sure we did. Because he was excited. And he told me that um, he got married. He was, he was celebrating 30 some years. His son was getting married. He's bringing his wife back to India for a wedding. He met his wife on his wedding day. Any of you like meet your wife on your wedding day? <laughs> what? Really? That happens in India, doesn't it? Like, he met his wife on his wedding day. She was a Christian. He was a Christian. That's real praise. And, excuse me. Um, they've been married for over 30 years. Two kids. Love the Lord. Love the Word of God. So as I'm sleeping, like, I should write that down. Like, wedding. That might be a good sermon. Wedding. Like, wedding. Of course, I, I didn't get up. Didn't write it down. And then my connection from Delhi... Um, to another small town before we go to Calcutta, um, I met this young kid, probably 24 years old, and his name's Rajesh. Uh, have you ever watched Big Bang Theory? Anybody? Rajesh. That's how I remember his name. Can okay, I remember his name? Um, 24 years old, he's taken over his father's business. And so his father's business is they provide wedding garments. And I'm thinking, oh, that would be a good sermon. I should get up, I should write this down. But I didn't. But I remembered like Raji, she told me he showed me these pictures on his phone of all these beautiful wedding garments. Now, these these women's wedding garments are just incredibly beautiful, all kinds of colors. They're just for lack of repeating myself, like the only way I can come up with is beautiful. It was amazing. And even the the people that come with him, they have wedding garments, right? The men, the women, they all have these wedding garments that he he makes. He's come to Calcutta just to get material to go back to his town to continue to build wedding garments. I mean, that would be a really good sermon. I know there's something in the Bible about wedding garment, right? Like maybe I should do that. Of course, I, did I get up? Eventually, I, I, I'm not sure if God said this or if it was just my imagination, but I'm pretty sure he said, well, you should get up, stupid. Like you should. I think that was just me, but it was implied for sure. Like get up, like get up. And I got up and I just started writing a sermon and writing a sermon, just kept writing the sermon. I thought, well, praise God. Like, this is amazing, right? Like, God clothes us in his righteousness for his name's sake, yes? And should we be excited about that? Then even on Saturday, Saturday morning, mind you, there was a wedding going on in the lobby of our hotel. So there's these young couple that were there getting married, because you tell because mom and dads were, like, taking the photos, you know, and they're, they're doing the posing stuff, you know, like with my husband and my husband-to-be kind of thing. And I thought, oh, I should get up. I should get up and write a sermon. So I did. If you go to Matthew chapter 22, let's see what else it says. In verse 3, he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Now this is a, who is this? It's a kingdom, right? And a king... He's preparing a wedding for his son. Now, in India, I think it's different than in North America here. I think in North America, you're invited to a wedding. You're kind of like, unless you really know him, you're like, really excited. You're kind of like, well, maybe it's just, I'm going to speak for us guys, okay? Hopefully, I won't get too much guys in trouble. But I'm kind of like, eh, like, I'll go, right? I won't, I won't raise your hand. Like, when was the last time you were super excited to go to a wedding? Okay, a couple of, like, guys are not usually that excited. but Like, I'm so excited. I can hardly wait, it's, it's a month from now. Right? I'm in trouble. That's why my wife's not here, so hopefully she's not watching online. Hi hon. Um, But in India, like, it's a big celebration. So the man was telling me about the wedding, Like they're planning on spending $70,000 on a wedding because everybody who knows anybody comes to this wedding. Right? And this is not a wealthy man. This is a guy who does programming in Nashville, Tennessee. Right? Not a wealthy man, but they saved $70,000 for this wedding because anyone knows someone's going to come to this wedding. They're excited about this wedding. This is a huge event. Now, you imagine if you were a king preparing a wedding for his son, how big would that event be? So in India, like, they got it. Like, when they hear the king preparing a wedding for his son, like, they're excited about it. going to be an event of a lifetime. And what do they do? They don't care, do they? Some just didn't come. Isn't that amazing? So in India, that would be a shock for them just simply not to come. They would not come. Verse 4. Again, he he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they, they paid no attention and went off. One to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them, the king was angry, and he sent his troops to dis- and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. This is not like a Disney event, is it? A Walt Disney event? You're not going to see this in Walt Disney? It, it kind of takes a quick turn, doesn't it? Is there judgment, though? I, I think we, we live a life as though there's no judgment, Right? We live a life as though we're innocent. We live a light, as like we're all okay. And I think, especially in 21st century America, it's like I think we act as though we're all pretty good people. We're not that bad. I think there's two types of people that I, I see every single day at the mission. One who's not that bad, and one who's so bad God can't change them. Those are the two types of people. I'd rather deal with the latter, to be honest with you, because God can change hearts. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Those who don't think they're that bad doesn't need salvation. Would you agree with this? But we see there's judgment. When you see yourself in light of a holy God, you see yourself for need for salvation, yes? Your sins have to be atoned for. So we see judgment here. We see oftentimes, we see eventually, again, this is Jesus speaking, He's talking about how the Jews now have the opportunity, they rejected the Christ, now the Gentiles have the opportunity to receive this Christ. Verse 9, go therefore to the main roads. Let me go back to verse 8, sorry. Then he said to the servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not what? The word is worthy, not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite the wedding feast, as many as you as you find. And those servants went out to the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. So we see the gospel coming to the Gentiles. That's a huge praise, isn't it? Like you and I are impacted by this, this parable that Jesus is talking about, right? The Jews reject the Messiah. He becomes available to us. So us Gentiles are reconciled to a holy God. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? We should get as thrilled as the, I almost call him the Apostle Paul. My brother Paul, right? My brother Paul. Verse 11. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how'd you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast them to the outer darkness, in that place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are what? Few are chosen. It is amazing that God even provides our clothes of righteousness. What is God's clothes of righteousness like? It's unspotted, isn't it? So, not only does He invite us to the wedding feast, but He clothes us in His righteousness. For his name's sake. How do you not get excited about that, right? Now, I think maybe my, my brother Paul is just he's okay with showing his feelings more than 21st century Americans are, maybe, right? But he was like, I would use the word giddy about his salvation. And dude's been saved for decades. But he's excited about the fact that why would God lead us to a point of salvation and close us in his righteousness? Other than somehow God is glorified in that, yes? And should we be thankful? Amen. Think of the great debt that we have that God has not given up on us. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like this, he says. Isn't that how we started? The kingdom of heaven is, is like this. There's some who hear the gospel and don't care, don't want to hear it, have no interest in it whatsoever. There are some who hear the gospel and they come, they believe. Yes? It's a glorious God. Somehow, I hope many of you heard the gospel and believed. You took that invitation. You're no longer clothed in your righteousness. What did Adam and Eve do when they sinned? One of the things they did, they clothed themselves, didn't they? They they dared to fix themselves up pretty good. Was it noticed by the Creator? Like, He provided better clothing, yes, than what they provided. So God invites us. He cleanses us. He clothes us in his righteousness. So the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a woman who has domestic violence, is brought to the mission with her child, angry, scared. She hears the gospel, and she believes. Even in her situation, in her hurt, she still didn't know God. But she comes to the mission, hears the gospel, puts her faith in Christ is a new creature. Clothed in not her old righteousness, but in Jesus' righteousness. The kingdom of heaven is like that. I came because I was lost, but now I'm part of this kingdom of God. The same lady I saw at Speedway gas station just the other day. She came running up to me and goes, are you Mr. Mark? Are you Pastor Mark? Most people don't call me Pastor Mark. It's not I don't pastor a church, but I get to share the gospel, right? So she came and she said, are you, are you Pastor Mark? I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm Pastor Mark of the City Rescue Mission. She goes, I thought so. She said, I just wanted to tell you, thank you. Like over seven years ago, her son and her came to the mission, and they're both Christians serving in a church. And that's always the first question I ask, well, are you in a church? Are you in a church? Because we want to lead people to Christian faith, but they have to come to church to grow. Amen? They become, become part of a body. Use gifts that God's given you to serve the kingdom. to Be part of the kingdom of God. And she was so excited to tell me, thank you. Thank you that we came and we heard the Bible and it changed our hearts. So now her son's like six foot one or something like that. Just a huge kid, right? But she was thankful. The kingdom of heaven, it's like a guy named Tony. One of our last guys on our program. Uh, I, I drove to Detroit um, to pick this guy up. He was with a friend that was on our program. Remember Adam? Um, so I'm driving to Detroit to pick this guy up to get on our program. As I'm driving down, he goes, hey, I got a buddy. Would you mind taking him with, you, with us? <laughs> Not a two-for-one deal. Like, I'm going to Detroit, and the Cass Corridor, does anyone know what the Cass Corridor is? It's like the place the police don't go, just for the, for the record. You know? So my wife... Being a good wife is like, hey, my my husband (laughs) is going to pick up a guy at Cast Quarry. He always said, don't do it. Like, if if there's a problem, we're not going to come get him. Like, we don't go there. Long story short, I'm here. So praise God for that, right? He comes back to the mission, and he becomes a believer. And he seemed to grow exponentially for a few years. Then he goes back into the world. As a matter of fact, the last two years, he just spent pretty much, A slave to sin. When I say a slave to sin, I mean like you spend all your time and energy participating in things of the world, like alcohol. Like every ounce of energy and time and money goes towards drinking. That's a good definition of a slave, right? But eventually, God got a hold of his heart. Ten years ago, June, he came to the rescue mission. And he's been clean for four months now. And he's in a church. And I saw him on his birthday last Wednesday. You know what I had to say? Thank you for not giving up. Like, it wasn't me that gave up, right? Like, if it was just us, we would give up because I don't see any fruit, right? So what do we do? We pray, right? Like, Lord, I can't change this person. I don't understand the situation they're going through. I wish I could. I can't. But you can. Amen? So for years, people have been praying for this man. And now he sees the light again. And like this for the first time, he's truly in Christ. Is that a miracle? Because our righteousness falls short, but God's righteousness never does. So the kingdom of heaven might be someone who is lost, who's hungry, they're an enemy of God, but by the end of their visit to the city rescue, they become reconciled to God for all of eternity. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like, right? Some reject it. There are some people as Mike Hicks Hickson would know, as Mike Hayes would know, you preach and they're just not listening. They just don't care. There are others that like they start listening. This young man who's 20 years old, he sits right here, as a matter of fact. And before he sat like way back there, not really listening. And this kid is so joyful. So I finally asked him, like, why are you so joyful? And he told me. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. He's got his Bible out, he's taken notes as we preach the gospel, and this kid is part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is like that, isn't it? All walks of life, God shows us mercy, some believe. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. We pray, God provides. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like, amen? And that's why we provide food, shelter, and hope. We provide the first two so we can share the gospel. So we can see these people Maybe in the kingdom one day and never know it. Lastly, let me end with this. Last week we had a phone call from someone and uh, wanted to talk to me. He goes, Do do you remember me? And I'm like, I'm sorry, brother, I I don't remember you. He goes, Well, I just want you to know that I'm married, I live up north, I'm part of a church, and I'm thankful for you doing what you do. Is that awesome? Is that encouraging? Because what happens sometimes when we share the gospel, we don't see immediate fruit, right? But we don't have to see fruit, do we? The only thing that changes lives is the gospel. So we're fervent about the gospel because that is the only hope is the gospel of Christ. So we don't have to see fruit. We're just faithful to the gospel. God will change hearts in his timing, his will. That is what the kingdom of heaven is like, right? With that, let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for my brothers and sisters here that we can just celebrate the fact that we are part of the kingdom of heaven. You brought us, brought us out of darkness into the marvelous light. There was times we didn't have a desire to know you, but you opened our hearts to see the need for salvation and now a desire to live righteously for you, clothed, and not our righteousness, not in our filthy rags, but your righteousness. We give you praise together. All God's people said, amen. amen.